If you would turn to Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you, uh, Lord, that you have given us um, it in its completeness and its fullness so that we might uh, know you more. We thank you, Father. Amen. So we've looked at the, uh, the first couple of phrases um, in this passage. And just as a reminder, again, the, the, the Lord that we're speaking of here is Jehovah, the covenant God who is near us and will never abandon his bride. He is the self-existent one. He is the mighty God. He is all-powerful, and he is not only willing to save, but he will save. Literally, he will deliver. So all of this takes place in Jesus, as we have seen. We just sang uh, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with justice or excuse me, with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So as we realize that the zeal of the Lord of hosts is performing this, we can be assured that he is never idle among his people. He is constantly working among us to deliver us and to save us. Amen. So as we consider that and and we realize that Pastor Kaiser brought up several of the resources last week that he gives us because of this, and one of those is joy. So we should be rejoicing that the Lord is king, as is proclaimed here. He is king with all the power to protect his people and to deliver us from our enemies. You know, the greatest enemy of the church is not what's outside there. It's not tyrannical governments. It's not communist regimes. As much as I would like to think that, the greatest enemy of this church is our sin. You know, as Joel was praying, I was just greatly convicted. That is the greatest enemy before us, is our sin. And this is the Lord that will deliver us from that sin. And then as he does that, he gives us those resources. And joy is the one I'm looking at this morning. It is a joy that is inexhaustible. You know, just a a piece from Pastor's uh, message last week, that uh, that joy cannot be taken away from us. Cannot be taken away from us. It is ours if we're somehow not joyful and rejoicing in this Lord that is delivering us, it's because I am suppressing it. It's because I am not allowing that joy to come out. So it's my prayer that as we look at this passage and we recognize this, that the joy will simply come out continually in our lives. The Lord is always with us. Um, Even in the darkest times, uh, my wife and I were 
I didn't ask her permission for this, but um, my wife and I were, were talking about some times in our lives. This last year has been a little, a little more challenging than uh, some years previous, but it certainly was not a dark time. We've had darker times in our lives, and we were reminiscing that really the challenging time, even though it's challenging, is sweet. The Lord is walking with us in those challenging times, even in those dark times. He is never going to leave us nor forsake us. And if we find ourselves not in his presence, it's because we have chosen to not be in his presence. We need to be seeking his face daily because he is there always. Psalm 30 Verse 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And as we focus on that joy coming in the morning, the Lord has set us free from sin and shame, but not for our own personal indulgence, but for his service. He set us free for his service so that we might engage in the fight that he has put before us. And he's given us all of the tools that we need for that fight. We have the word and we have the spirit and we have all of the resources, again, that Pastor mentioned last week. We need to purpose to be intentional. And we prayed about this uh, on Wednesday. We need to purpose to be intentional about the Great Commission. Again, looking forward into this next year, that we would be bold in reaching out and sharing with others and rejoicing in the kingdom work that we've been given. And the result of all that is the last few phrases here in this passage that he will rejoice over you with gladness, he will quiet you with his love, he will rejoice over you with singing. When Christ's bride is secured and reassured of his presence and his protection and our purification, the bridegroom rejoices. The bridegroom rejoices. Luke 15.10 says, Likewise, I say to you, there is a joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Isaiah 62.5 And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Song of Solomon 4.9, you have ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. You have ravished my heart with one look of your eyes, with one link of your necklace. God himself rejoices over you with gladness. Does Does that seem a bit much? I mean, the God of the universe, the creator God that sustains all of life is rejoicing over you with gladness. I mean, when, when I start thinking about that, that seems like it's pretty extravagant, isn't it? Well, he's not done yet. He's not done yet. He not only rejoices over you with gladness, but he is going to comfort you with his love. He comforts his bride with his love. He will embrace and reassure his bride. Again, John Piper says it this way. I I thought he said it much better than I could. We must banish from our minds forever any thought that God admits us begrudgingly into his kingdom. 
as though Christ found a loophole in the law, did some fancy plea bargaining, and squeaked us by the judge. No way. God himself, the judge, put Christ forward as our substitutionary sacrifice, and when we trust him, God welcomes us with bells on. He puts a ring on our finger, kills the fatted calf, throws a party, shouts a shout that shakes the ends of creation, and leads in the festal dance. That seems a little extravagant, doesn't it? But he goes on. He will rejoice over you with singing. You know, God breaks out into song over his bride as he sees us coming into his workmanship, as he sees us through Christ as his workmanship, he breaks out into song. The holy God of the universe is singing for joy over a company of unworthy sinners being saved by his grace. Surely, as, as we look at this, there's, there's I mean, I, I think of this perfect pitch. You know, I, I, I don't know perfect pitch. I can't imagine anyone really wanting to listen to me sing, but this is the God of the universe singing with a perfect tone, a perfect pitch, shaking the very heavens, rejoicing over his bride. In the East, uh, a song is sung by the bridegroom as he receives his bride, and it's intended to declare his joy for her and the fact that the marriage has come. Here, God is pictured, again, married to his church and rejoicing over her with singing. As Pastor Duff brought out, how can I gain from his reward? It's in that marriage. It's in that beautiful union that he himself has brought together. So as we look at the whole, the whole message of the Bible, here in Zephaniah is no different it's pointing out that we are proud sinners, deserving of God's wrath. But for those whom God has humbled, who seek his face, and who seek to rest in him, and he has chosen and gathered to himself, and made us his bride, we are given a bright hope which outshines the sun. God will take away all of, your sh- all of your shame, all of your proud boastings, all of your abuses of his law, all of your crimes against your neighbor. God will not only forgive you, but he shall delight and rejoice over you. Doesn't, again, doesn't this all seem just a bit much, right? Doesn't this all seem uh, just too much to even understand? Well, it is something that we can't fully understand. But this, which seems over the top, when you think of the gospel, when you think of what transpires in the gospel, it is over the top. The good news is really gloriously good news. It is news that our sins are forgiven and that God looks upon us not with a cloud of brooding suspicion, but with joy. He has taken away your shame. God loves you. God loves his bride. And because his son endured all the wrath that you and I deserved and has now gathered you to himself, we can come to this table. 
we can come and enjoy the table that he has set for his glory and for his joy. Father, I pray that you would more and more give us an understanding of how we might share in his reward. We thank you, Lord, that you have come as an infant, Lord, that that you lived that perfect life, that you, again, Father, put your son forward as that sacrifice for us. We thank you, Lord. Amen.